You are now listening to the homily of Father Francis Lynch, parish priest of St. Mary's Church in Chislehurst, UK. This service is provided by the Lexio Divina team, part of the LOV Verbum Dei ministry, who invites you all to share this reflection and their love for the Word of God. The Gospel is the good news of salvation for mankind. That salvation is only through Jesus Christ, as Peter said, Lord, to whom should we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Good morning or good afternoon. I'm Father Francis Lynch. I'm in a parish in South London called Chislehurst, which is where Napoleon III, the Emperor, used to used to be and used to come to Mass. I'd like first of all to greet uh, members of LOV, of Verbum Dei family, and uh, all those who happen to be listening. Um, firstly, I'd like to, this first talk, because it's my first one, I'd like to sort of divide it into three sections, and I'm just keeping an eye on the time. Um, three sections. The first one is, <clears throat> if I'm going to be giving other talks as well, uh, I just want to say a little about I'm going to approach it and if there's any possibility of feedback, I'd ask for feedback on that. Um, firstly, what am I going to be talking about? Generally speaking, I should be talking about the gospel and looking into the gospel. And generally speaking, because I'm supposed to be doing that and because sometimes I'm good, I might be doing that. But I'll also be looking at a few other things. One of the things I'll be looking at is um, practical advice. So practical advice on avoiding sin, practicing the virtues, things like prayer, things like difficulties in prayer, um, things like moral issues in everyday life, things like how to get on with people and how to avoid people that you can't get on with. So some general things. Then I want to, um, and I've written these down somewhere, but I've lost it. Um, I'd like to talk sometimes um, just about the gospel, but maybe just picking out a few words or a small passage so that I'll be talking about a very specific point of the gospel. Sometimes I'll be talking about the gospel generally and sometimes about a very small and specific point. At other times, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm sure I'll be told if I'm not, I'll be talking maybe about a saint whose feast day occurs during the week. A lot of Catholics know a lot about the saints and a lot of Catholics do not. And finally, I'm going to be talking about some things which are going to be controversial. Not in the sense that everyone's going to disagree with what I say, because it won't be controversial to you <clears throat> for the most part. I mean those things which, of which we have discussions with people who are not Catholic. Um, so, for instance, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the real presence of Jesus Christ in the sacrament of the altar. Now, this is something that... Mo um, I was going to say most Christians, most Christians do believe that since Catholics and Orthodox are by far the biggest proportion of Christianity. But a lot of the people you'll be talking to will not believe it and some will be really taken by surprise. So some of those will be controversial in the sense that I'll be talking about things which might come up in discussions with other non-Catholics or even Catholics who have never come, came across, come across them before, even though they're standard. And, and central part, in some cases, of Catholic teaching. So that was the first thing I wanted to say. 
The second thing I wanted to say was um, that the next few weeks, I've already sort of mentioned this, the next few weeks we're going to be talking about um, our, Lord's, um, our Lord's discourse on the bread of life. And he's going to be um, preparing the, the, the apostles, those disciples who are going to become the apostles, the disciples, the listeners, for the fact that he is going to, at the Last Supper, change bread and wine into his flesh and his blood, and he's going to give them to the people. This is, he's going to mention things relevant to this uh, across the next few weeks. And I just wanted to mention that in case the other thing which I'm going to mention, which is the third point, everyone's going to say, well, why is he talking about point three when he really should be talking about this being the bread of life? I will get onto that um, because we've got a few weeks to talk about it. Today, I'm going to say a few words about the transfiguration of our Lord. There are different accounts of it. And the Transfiguration was actually celebrated on Friday. So although I'm talking to you on Sunday, you have to cast your minds back unless you happen to remember the readings anyway. And the reading I'm going to look at is the reading of St. Mark. Um, and it says, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves and was transfigured before them. And you're probably fairly aware of what happened, um, but the different apostles or the different evangelists give slightly different details. So St Mark says, um, he was transfigured before them. His garments became glisteningly intensely white as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them, to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter said, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths or tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. Then it goes on. And I'd just like to say a few words about each of these aspects. <clears throat> One is that our Lord took Peter and James and John and he went up to the high mountain. Often in the Gospels, often in the, news, in the Bible itself, going up a mountain symbolises coming close to God, which is not surprising. Even today, we often... Um, if we want to try to put ourselves in the way of getting a spiritual experience, not to get a spiritual experience, but just to make things easy, we'll go out, maybe on our own, maybe one or two companions, and we'll go up to a mountain if we can. In London, that's not too easy. But that's what we try to do, try to get complete silence, being away from everyone else, maybe with some companions. And um, there are many instances where there's an epiphany, and epiphany means a meeting with God, which happens on a mountain, sometimes a high mountain. This one, you can go there, um, there's nothing much at the top to see, and in fact you can't see any, any sort of view because the, <coughs> the trees have all grown up. But you can go to this mountain where our Lord was transfigured, the mountain of transfiguration. Peter and James and John, these are in many ways considered to be the three key disciples Peter, um, of course, was the first pope, and he was the one who was chosen by our Lord, and so it's natural that he should be there. John was the beloved disciple, and James was a member of the family of our Lord. So they went up to the high mountain. He took these three disciples. He could have taken four or five or six or one or two. In fact, any number between one and twelve, really. But he, he chose three. And that may be because three is the number of an epiphany. 
and I'll go into the, <clears throat> the more sane part, part of number symbolism in the Bible at some other stage. But it also means that the three apostles are sort of reflecting the three um, divine figures, divine because our Lord Moses and Elijah have been chosen by God, but also they are ready to enter heaven. They appeared to them and they were, to, um, they were apart from themselves. He was transfigured. And at the transfiguration, our Lord became a center of light. Glory, by the way, a word which is widely used in Christian services. Glory really symbolizes light. And the Gloria um, that we get in tabernacles and monasteries, um, monstrances, sorry, um, in depictions of all sorts of religious scenes and symbolism, um, that's often shown as the rays coming out of the sun, because glory is like a human reflection. The sun is a human reflection of the glory of God. And so our Lord just shows part of his glory. He doesn't show his glory. If he showed his glory, there would be nothing left of the universe. Um, some of you may know the story of Semele, who was made into an opera by Handel, and Semele, who's in love with Zeus, and she asks to see his glory, and he tells her not to do this, but she insists, and he's promised, so he shows her his glory, and in a fraction of a second, she's frazzled into dust, because the glory just burns her up. So we don't see the glory of Christ, we just see a tiny fragment of a hint of like an echo of a shadow, if you can call it a shadow, if it's light, of the glory of Christ. We're seeing only a tiny bit of a hint of the glory which is still to come. And even so, when the apostles uh, see the glory, they can't see it. They have to shade their eyes, they have to turn away, they have to close their eyes and shade them, because even the hint of the glory of God is far too much for humankind to encounter. And then um, they're covered by a mountain. Sorry, they're covered by a cloud. And the cloud often represents the Holy Spirit. It also represents the cloud of unknowing. And they have to, they go into the, um, after their experience, they experience the cloud of unknowing because they still don't really understand what it is they've seen. And our Lord tells them not to tell anyone else um, because Firstly, I guess the people wouldn't be prepared for it. Secondly, he wouldn't want his glory to be known prematurely. Um, but thirdly, probably, possibly, um, humankind wasn't ready for it. They had to wait um, to the glory, the passion and the, the death and the resurrection before they could come to the glory of the ascension and the understanding of the glory of the transfiguration. Lots more to say, but still many years still to pass. And so we'll look at some other aspects of different times. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much. The Lexio Divina team hopes that this homily has helped you to deeply welcome the Word of God and given you the strength to put this word into practice where you are. You can send us your prayer intentions by emailing them to us using the following address lov underscore verbum dei 
That's V E R B U M D E I at Outlook.com. The Wednesday prayer group gathering at 6:30 p.m. UK time, and Father McGowan will pray particularly for these prayer intentions. If this homily has enlightened or touched you in any way, please share it with your relatives, friends, community, and on your social media. Have a blessed week.